You are listening to The Future of Work, Water Cooler Conversations, where business leaders share how they integrate humanity and technology to create a better workplace for today and tomorrow. This radio show and podcast is brought to you by Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center. And now let's listen in as Jen Burrell and Kyle McIntosh connect with today's valued guests. And we're back with the Future of Work Water Cooler Conversations. I'm Kyle McIntosh here with my co-host and good friend, Jennifer Burwell. And our fascination with business leaders who have developed innovative approaches, healthy cultures, flexible workspaces, and seamless virtual technology. Today, we are excited to introduce you to Eric Scaff and Susie Greenwood of AZ Tax Advisors. Thank you for being on the show, guys. Well, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. And Jen, good to see you. Hello. Nice to see you virtually as well. Um, Hi, guys. We're so excited. We always like to start this show with asking the same question because mostly Kyle and I are just so interested. But we like to go way back to and learn a little bit more about you, um, where you grew up, and then how you got to where you are today. So let's see. Um, Susie, do you want to start? Sure. So I grew up in Montana, moved to Spokane, Washington when I was just 21 years old actually 10 days after my 21st birthday, went to work at the Chamber of Commerce there and did that for several years, headed up a nonprofit on mortgage lending or saving people's mortgages during that era, and then went on to work in banking and manufacturing over the years, always as a business manager, customer service manager, training manager, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, when I moved to Arizona. I did so for my daughter. And I met Eric and our other partner, George. We just clicked. It just clicked. And we decided we wanted to open the doors to Arizona Tax Advisors using my customer service and business management and his brain. And it's a good match. (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. So, Susie, you and I have worked together for years now um, through the Tempe Chamber of Commerce, and I literally have never known any of that. So either I don't ask good questions or I am not a good listener or some combination of both of those. But that is fascinating that you also worked at the Chamber. Wow. Yeah, that's actually, I moved to Spokane because I was hired by George Reinmeyer, who was the president of the chamber in Spokane at that time and worked in their member services department. So it was really a fun way to get introduced to a chamber of commerce and what it's all about. That's why I'm so involved in the Tempe chamber, because I do know what it's about and I love it. I think that's my favorite part of this show is you can know somebody for years a lot of times you don't really have a sit down, like deep dive into who are you? Like uh-uh. what you say makes sense and I resonate with you and you seem like a cool person, but hey, cool. You lived in Montana. Let's hear more about that. That's that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what about you, Eric? Well, I grew up in uh, Nebraska and moved here to Arizona after I graduated I've graduated it with accounting and have been, you know, working in accounting, either public accounting or my own thing since then. I did move and live in uh, the Boston area for about three years in between uh, then and now, and also had a little stint in uh, New Jersey, which is a rough place that's very much different than here, obviously. (laughs) 
Uh, and I've been back here for, I don't know, 10 or a, a long time. And I'm old now, so <laughs> even longer than I want to admit. Uh, I've been doing kind of my own uh, firm kind of thing for about 10 years. And Susie joined me two and a half fish, Over, three yeah, years, two yeah. and a three years now. Three years now. Yeah. And, time um, flies. Yeah, it's been mm-hmm. a good time. Last year was obviously had its challenges as everybody is well aware, especially for us accountants. So, yeah, good times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so talk to us a little bit more about what um, made you guys start Arizona Tax Advisors and how did that happen? Well, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what I had seen, because I did work for uh, some major uh, public accounting firms, and then I'd kind of seen what else is around there as far as people in the industry. And there's a lot of just, you know, dropping your tax papers off or here's your monthly books with where without anything else, without any explanation, without really nothing. It's just like a job. Like here's you're paying me for books. Here's your financials. See you next month. So we take an approach that really kind of like dives into it because, uh, I mean, you'd be surprised. I mean, you guys have all these businesses around here of how many people like literally have no clue how their business is actually doing or that, I mean, they can't read a financial statement. They don't have, there's a lot that don't have financials. There's, I mean, it's pretty astounding how many business owners don't really know. They just live off of what's in my bank account right now. And I know I have $50,000 coming in next month and $42,000 of bills. So hopefully that all pans out. And yeah, I have money and on the end of the year. So I guess I'm going to pay taxes or something. And really, that's it. <laughs> and so there's a lot more to it. And so that's kind of where um, the educational and aspect of it, it became, you know, the main reason why that I got into it. And, you know, Susie was a good fit for that. And, you know, so that's kind of how we, how the business sort of works. So that's why we got into it. I wish what you were saying was surprising. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we, We started as a business incubator and we still operate with many of those similar functions, uh, investing in early stage companies and uh, through Jen's work with the Leadership Academy, helping companies to break through the ceilings to grow. And you're right. I think it's uh, you get that person with the great idea and the work ethic to make a go at it, but there's a lot they don't know. And so it sounds like what, when you go in and talk with a company, what you're transactionally selling is accounting services, tax and accounting services but really you're more positioned as someone that can help them to understand their business better and to get what they want out of it? Correct, yes. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, if you do better, if my, you know, the client does better by, you know, if I'm able to help them do better, then they're going to have a better business. And then, you know, then what does that mean? More money for me. So, hey, you know, win-win on both ends. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, you know, it's it stops a struggle. It stops a stress. I mean, good or bad, if you're not looking at your P&L and really kind of know how your business is doing, you're, you know, kind of headed down more of the bad path of it, regardless of how great your business really may be, you know, you're either not hitting your full potential or you're just kind of teetering and missing opportunities. So, yeah. 
Well, you know, and a lot of times uh, you keyed on, someone has a great idea and they take that idea and they say, okay, let's make some money with that idea. And a lot of times they can in fact make some very good money with that idea, but they haven't got a clue where to start. They don't know what they need to do for the dollars and cents of it. They can't make sense of the business side of it, period, literally. And so that's where we step in because we love working with people who are just starting out as well as those who have, you know, developed it a little bit. They're making a little bit more money now. And we can actually watch the light bulb come on. I mean, it is so amazing to watch them get it. It is, That's what you just said. I mean, it's a, it's a visceral experience to look in someone's eyes mm-hmm. and see with this type of thing, like where they glass over and then all of a sudden there's like this, oh, aha, Mm -hmm. this business is really something different than what I thought it was because I'm not just selling this thing, this idea. I've got, I mean, the business has a life of its own and now I can manage this thing better and grow it. And as opposed to just exactly what you you said, Eric, is that they, I've got 50,000 coming in, 42 going out. And that's my only metric I'm measuring is am I in the black today? Yep. That's right. It's uh yeah, it's a it's, it's an exciting and uh scary sometimes and, and yeah. but always interesting journey. That's agreed. Yep. So on that note, like what is the advice that you would give to somebody who's like, Okay, I have an idea, I'm gonna make a go at it. Like what are the first things that a business owner should do when they are gonna create a business? start making money with it. Um, (laughs) That would be the first thing. But get your team ready. And what I mean by your team is find your accountant or someone who's willing to advise you, uh, maybe a mentor, Some find a place to start. You need to have some knowledge behind you. If you have um, a good team, which would oftentimes be an accountant, an attorney, and then someone in the business community who will uh, work alongside you who's already gone through the steps, then you are absolutely putting yourself in a great position. And I think the biggest thing that you do is you start asking questions and you ask them of pretty much everyone um, that you trust. And then you stop asking the questions of everyone and you focus in on the people you're going to call your guru team and let them answer them. Because if you keep asking all the questions all the time, you'll get too many answers and it will just confuse you worse. Yes. I love that advice, Susie. And I, I've been thinking about it. Um, there's somebody in our community, Kyle, remember, remind me who, that talks about like your personal board of directors. Maybe it's a book. Um, but just really thinking about who are those key advisors that can, um, that are outside of like what you're doing day to day to kind of help guide you and give you that input and advice. And so yeah. this is something that I've been thinking about personally, but I uh, definitely in a business, you know, who are those key people? Because it's true. They're, like if you start asking everybody, everybody's going to have a different opinion or it's going to be nuanced and they're going to be so confused. And what I see a lot of times is people just freeze because they're overwhelmed. They don't know what to do and then they don't do anything. So, well then, then what happens is you, you're good at what your, your business is, whatever it is. And you're ended up, you're going to end up spending 10 times the amount of your day working on just say accounting instead of focusing on how can I grow the thing that I actually know and also like doing because you don't like doing account- nobody likes doing accounting it's only only the weirdos do <laughs> like us here but you know what i mean <laughs> i appreciate you weirdos yeah, yeah. Yeah. sure sure <laughs> my mom and my uh, stepfather are both cpas so i can i uh, god bless appreciate <laughs> you yes. i I, rem- 
I remember some advice uh, my business partner, whose name is my dad, uh, <laughs> gave me uh, when he was first starting his business uh, prior to, in very much in quotes, retiring when we started Max 6, was, okay, I have this business. I can run it with my checkbook in my back pocket. And to your point, I can figure all this out. But advice that was given to him is why? Like, why are you spending all your time doing that instead of finding people who are great at that? And you can elevate yourself to a position where what you're focusing on is what you're great at. And I think mm -hmm. it's it's what both of you are talking about is in different ways, whether it's a partner like Arizona Tax Advisors or a personal business, uh, small group of experts that are helping you. I mean, find those people and... Yeah, we can, we're adaptable creatures. We can figure this stuff out, but why? Why you don't have to do That's everything right. yourself. Just the one, the one thing that I keep seeing in my, I have a tax Twitter is a great community. If you, those, the people on there, that's where they're an awesome community. Do not go to TikTok for tax advice, please, <laughs> Jesus, don't. You, I mean, there's one guy on there. He has like, I don't know, probably over a million and a half views and 800 and whatever thousand followers. And we tore his video apart because it was just so wrong and misleading. And I get these questions. I'm like, well, I heard that some, you know, I heard this guy say this one thing. I'm like, no, just, just <laughs> uh, let me stop you. No. <laughs> Don't listen to that stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, you can ask around and whatever you want to do. But, you know, keep in mind that a hook is a hook. And if it's too good to be true, it is not true. Or, you know, seek actual real guidance. And TikTok is not that. Or these <laughs> other videos. Or I heard this guy that said, I can do this. Can I do that? Probably not. No, you can't. It's not <laughs> useful and it's probably illegal. So let's not talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you get more and more questions. I was talking to someone else about, you know, just all of the information is at our fingertips. And so we can all good or bad. And so it's really not about access to information. It's about discerning what that information is and then how we utilize it. And so I think that there is an overwhelm of, because um, anyone with a phone can go on the internet and say anything that they want. Um, so yeah, it's a whole whole new world. And this is a random question and not at all what we're talking about, but it just popped in my head. Um, I was listening to something this morning talking about businesses beginning to accept cryptocurrency. And I know that people have been doing it for a long time, but they were talking about um, both sides. Like there's there's people who are think that it's not going to do anything, it's going to go away. And then there's people who think that it's going to. Do you guys, either of you have a particular opinion about cryptocurrency and should well, businesses accept one. it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he will take that one. <laughs> I, I've been in uh, crypto since uh, the first big rise. So in 17, yeah, go ahead and take it and do do whatever. It will be around at least the te technology. And as of right now, Bitcoin will absolutely be around or the Tesla balance sheet will explode down to zero seeing as how we just bought a billion and a half worth of Bitcoin yesterday. Yeah. So yeah, it's something there. If, if you, I have a way to take it where it immediately converts to dollars if I want. I would take it. It's, I, I like it. It's as far as investing and how that aspect goes, it's incredibly volatile. So it's pretty much like how GameStop was, but permanently. <laughs> so, so you kind of never really know, but you know, it's just like anything now you have to, as far as like putting, having your money in there, you just have to be smart about it. 
as far as taking it, you are, and and the really the tax side, which I don't know if you really intended me to talk about, but I'm going to anyways. Um, yeah. <laughs> it can be very, very complicated because every time there is a transaction, which includes buying. So if you say you owe me $1,000 and you pay me in Bitcoin and it's Bitcoin that you guys bought in this, even say the beginning of 2020 when a Bitcoin, I think it got down to maybe 6,000 or something. Now it's almost 50 today or 45. You paid me. So you got rid of your Bitcoin and that is a taxable event. Because you, because technically, I mean, if you had enough of Bitcoin at $8,000 and you gave it to me at $45,000, it's free, right? Because you have would have gained $1,000 in that time. So that's like a gain and that's you recognizing the game because you, the gain, sorry, because you sold it, you know, technically you sold it because you gave it to me. So the tracking of it's very complicated. Um but it's just something you have to keep up on. Um, and the main the main reason for that is if you think of it as an investment medium, which it can be in a lot of cases, the places where you're buying and selling this are are not like stock brokerages. Stock brokerages, you know how much you sold, you know how much you buy at any point in time. Crypto exchanges don't care. So <laughs> that plus there's, I don't know, 500 different exchanges that are all a little different. So the tracking is heavily up to you. But yes, it's yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. It's going to be here to stay, but very volatile. This stuff is fascinating. I've been mm-hmm. I've been studying this uh over the last little while and I I said this morning, like I do I even feel like I know this world that we're in anymore where there I I can't remember the name of the platform that sold uh, 1.5 million, uh, almost this virtual land uh, deal that happened earlier today. And I guess it's like anything. It's what do we attribute value to? And and Mm -hmm. we can figure that out. And it's uh, the future of work. I mean, Max 6, what are we working on right now? Uh, Out of the pandemic, work has changed and people aren't necessarily thinking about coming back into an office full time in the future. And so as we look at, well, we have this office uh, space that we can use as an anchor, but we can grow up with virtual stories of our building now, because what people value is not necessarily just the square footage that they're paying for, but access to the community and things like uh, Karen and being on a show here and the gym and these like just being a part of that. It's a it's a virtual world. Mm-hmm. It's it's wild. But that's really interesting about the tax ramifications that you can read through all the threads and all this do all the research on these things. But I don't think that's something that people are talking about uh, that you really got to be aware of if you're mm-hmm. if you're not just, you know, buy and hold and see what happens in the future. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it gets really, really messy. I could, yeah, because there's. I mean, besides the number of exchanges, there's also equally the number of coins. So you're, oftentimes, you buy a Bitcoin and you have to convert it to an Ethereum to get a whatever other token. So you've had three transactions here just to do this one thing, and then that one thing might split, or you know, you might get earn money interest on it, which is another gain. Or other coins, or I mean, there's a plethora of things out there. Now, it, I mean, it is really cool. Uh, 
And yeah, the technology is definitely here to stay because there's a myriad of uses for it out there besides just, you know, this asset that I can make money on. I'm going to have my kids teach me about this one day yeah. between them and you, Eric. I, I mean, it is, I, I struggle to sometimes keep up with the latest and greatest. I have a couple of good friends that are do this a lot. So, you know, they're, they kind of like keep me up on like, oh, here's where you, here's this exchange. Uniswap is kind of the, the new, new thing where you can buy and sell any coin, any, you can, I could list a coin on there if I had the technology and stuff. So that's kind of one of the the newest things that's out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy how fast it moves and how how it's really working out there. I was like, we could spend hours talking about this because I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> but I think the high level answer is yes, it's okay to take Bitcoin at your business. It just involves tracking and talking to you so you can help navigate all of that. Yeah, I mean, it, like the the first thing I tell anybody that calls in about crypto is you have to keep track of your basis. I don't care how you you can put it on a spreadsheet, whatever. I don't care, but keep track of it because it's very hard to look up some of them or very time consuming. So, you know, just tracking somehow is is key. And there's, you know, there's several different ways to do it, but do it before you really start to heavily start to trade or use it. Got it. Good. So that also made me think about it. We're, it, we're entering tax season, right? It's, oh, yeah. It's I, I don't think last year's ever ended, but yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I remember Susie on our, our women business calls every month would be like, well, still in it. Tax season is never ending. So I definitely feel for you guys. Um, but I, what advice would you give to people who are filing their taxes this year on the individual side and then the business side? Is there anything that we should be keeping our eyes open about? Well, on the individual side, there are a couple of things that the CARES Act um, put in place. So you need to be aware of them and you need to share them with your accountant. Uh, if they forget to ask, one of them has to do with the stimulus monies because there is a credit available if you didn't receive all your stimulus money that allows you to take it on your tax return this year. And then there's also a $300 above the line credit for charitable cash, charitable contributions. And that's great for people, you know, that um, give to a local charity, but they don't, they don't itemize, right? So that's what that's all about is if you don't itemize, you still get that $300 um, off of your income for your taxes. So those are just a couple of things that I would tell people. But Wait. the real quick, the this is the most the stimulus money is not taxable income and it is not a credit is nothing on your tax. The only reason we're putting it in is if you didn't get it, you can get it. So not taxable, not a credit, none of that right. other kind of stuff you may you know be hearing out there. But it does go in in case you didn't get it. I'm okay. glad you said that because I feel like there is a lot of confusion <laughs> yeah. about that out there. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. uh, People will vehemently tell you, I mean, it's like anything, right? People will vehemently tell you what they think is the correct answer. But yeah, that's good to know. So it's not taxable. Mm -hmm. uh, great. Just a gift. And Susie, one um, piece of advice you gave us at Women in Business I thought was really helpful um, for people because we're all working from home, right? And so I think there's a common misunderstanding that like for myself, I could write off all my expenses, Um but that's not correct as an individual. So do you want to share that? Well, if you're paid 
through a 1099 NEC or as a contractor, yes, you can take those expenses. Mm-hmm. But if you're a W-2 employee and you just happen to be working remotely, then your employer needs to make sure they make it fair by you and they can take the credit. You cannot. You cannot claim a home, op- claim a home office um, as a W-2 employee. Do you see, do you think that'll change in the future or the, I mean, perhaps companies will just start having more 1099 and less W-2 employees or, I mean, do you see any of that shifting at all right now as there's, the market is still reacting to uh, the pandemic we're in and where we're going? Okay, so let me get my crystal ball out here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's no way of knowing. I think that um, the way the taxes have trended, they're trying to put a little bit more back on the employer for W-2 employees. And there's very strict criteria where, um, as far as the IRS is concerned, as to what you can consider a contract employee and what you consider a W-2 employee. So that is that still comes into play. Um, it would be nice if they would take a look at some type of a home office credit for people, I just, again, I don't see it happening this year, next year, maybe depending on how long, once we turn into a remote, more, you know, hybrid world where more people are working remotely from home, you might see some of that. We're in a brave new world. It'll be interesting to see. I I would think the pushback would be on the, on the company, like the, who you work for. Um, Obviously it's like, it happened quickly. So, hey, we're not working here, but you have to work from home and, you know, you have your own cell phone and your own internet and your own whatever else. So those out of your pocket, they may more kind of incentivize it. However, you'd already been working from home for a year and you didn't get any of those incentives. So why are we going to do it now? Even though we just got rid of that 20,000 square foot office building, we no longer need, but that's what I would think. And that's normally how it was in the past was, um, they would, you know, you'd either have, they'd pay for something or you give you some kind of stipend or, you know, an allowance for cell phone or, or internet or whatever kind of thing. So I would think maybe it would go there and then it's up to you to work with your employer to say, Hey, buddy, how about, you know, tossing me a couple hundred bucks for my internet and my home stuff. But yeah, hard to tell. I'm going to talk to my employer about this. Please do. Yes. <laughs> More Me money. too. More money, Dad. No. <laughs> and on the business side, are there is there anything new this year in taxes that business owners should think about? Well, business. I'm going to I'm going to let Eric take the new stuff, but I want to start <clears throat> from a, a basis of oh, you need to be sure you're tracking everything correctly. Excuse me, tracking the expenses that you should be tracking, tracking the expenses you can track, track them um, appropriately so that they're accurate. And if you don't know how or what you should be tracking, then talk to somebody, ask us, call us and ask us what you should be tracking, uh, that kind of thing. And we can sure help good records and clean records on that and always help with taxes. And then as far as changes to the business tax returns this year. What were there? (laughs) yes i mean for the most part it's it's like she said it's you know you're still a business and you still have your stuff um we're throwing in obviously all the the cares package stuff that you may or may not have gotten uh those things have been that's really what made us as accountants job just massively difficult was because nothing was defined or they would come out with a couple of faqs that 
vaguely defined basically nothing or referred to some older FAQ that didn't define anything in the first place. So all year long up until really now or not even necessarily now, there's a lot of things up in the air. So in October, when I usually do like to do tax planning for businesses, I had to give everybody two or three scenarios because they couldn't decide if uh, PPP was the biggest uh, CARES package loan, if that was going to be either, basically, if the expenses were going to be allowed that you use that money for, if they were going to be allowed or not. So, I mean, that was significant. That's that's majorly significant for a lot of businesses. If they got a $150,000 loan... And their normal net income is maybe, you know, 20000 but now they have to pull out 150 of expenses. That brings you up to, you know, 180000 200000 of net income. So significantly different tax scenario to have to, you know, go through. Here's A and here's B. And I don't know. And we're waiting for them. Feel free to call the IRS if you want or the SBA. I think they have an office around somewhere here. But yeah, I mean, it was just them defining it. And so that was the big headache. And I mean, they finally did. I think it was like on December 31st or something, they put out their final word about it. And so now, you know, now it is, but that's just kind of been the headaches. And then the other loans and the other credits and all those things is really just a case-by-case basis is really the only way to to say or do it. So what you're saying is if you're a business owner, call you guys figure this out. More, 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 more or less. Yeah. I mean, just be careful. It's they, I mean, they did the best, but you know, when you're, when you rush through a 5,200 page legal document, they did the best they could because it's government. So, you know, their best is everybody's pretty much, you know, middle to low kind of range of working. (laughs) So (laughs) that's, that's where that was. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not as difficult now, but yeah, I mean, there were some situations out there that are still pretty hairy as far as do I pay this back or do I have to, or do I get it forgiven or when do I get this credit or can I take this credit? All those kind of things. So yeah, just be careful because you don't want it to come and bite you in five or 10 years when it finally gets done. <laughs> yeah. That's that's good advice. I think that I mean, I think there's any of those businesses would probably still be very grateful to have gotten that PPP money in. Mm -hmm. Hey, we stayed solvent. We kept our doors open. And now, I mean, say what you will about the government. They figured that out pretty quick. But now we're dealing with the ramifications. So what what do we do? (laughs) We're on the backside. (laughs) We're on the other side of that. Uh, Hey, we kept our doors open, but uh, we still want to keep our doors open. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, talk to... Talk to a partner, talk to experts. And isn't there another package going through Congress right now or somewhere? Okay, so there are a couple different things going on right now. So, of course, the second round of PPP loans, right? Those are out there. And we get calls often, frequently. uh, Would I qualify for that? Do I qualify for the PPP loan? The second round. And obviously, it varies uh, depending on whether you took a first loan or not. And then we have to look at whether you had loss in a quarter-to-quarter comparison from 2019 to 2020. Um, So there are lots of things to look at there. And yes, there is another stimulus package out there. And no, I don't know all the details off the top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't think, I don't even think 
Congress knows all the details at the moment. Like, <laughs> no, they're they're, they're tied it. up with something else at the moment, but it's <laughs> it's there in some office somewhere. But yeah, it's uh, the last I kind of read, and I had to kind of just you know just sort of briefly read these kind of things because they change daily. So mm-hmm. I think they were kind of close on it. Uh, I don't know how much like what it exactly all will do this time. Because there's already PPP2 is out there, much more difficult to get because you do have to prove numbers or, you know, allegedly prove numbers. And then, you know, another stimulus payment, you know, okay, great, that's cool to have $1,400 extra for, I don't know, to buy a TV, which seems to always sell out when those come around. But, uh, you know, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it's we'll just have to see. It's Yeah, I mean, they change it so often that it wasn't worth for us to really like dissect every time because yeah and they always like to put out the final words at on around five or six on fridays so you know that's another you know us accountants are hey cool here we go to have to read this at five o'clock on a friday yay <laughs> fun, another fun weekend <laughs> yeah the rest of us are off mm-hmm. at happy hour or virtual happy hour right, version. Right. <laughs> i like that so- i like the sound of that <laughs> um i will say that uh one of the big discussions of course out there is forgiveness of student loans that's part mm-hmm. of that what they're mm-hmm. looking at in this package and they're, they're just looking at so many different pieces of it and again the guidance just comes out almost daily on uh what how to even handle what was already out there so yeah and right now there's um I don't know what the right word is but you you don't have to pay your student loans right now right through September or something like federal loans or I don't know. Yeah the student loans are um deferred payment is deferred and they're not charging interest so your interest is also. There's such talk about you know about that and that not only continuing but also then being forgiven the loan debt being forgiven. So and I see that reflecting it's interesting on a few of our individual um clients' taxes because they're used to having that credit for the student interest, you know, on their taxes, which obviously they've had the money to use all that time. But sometimes you have to go through and put it in their head. So you had the money because you didn't have to pay on the loan, but now you don't get that interest credit, right? And for those who did continue, they are still obviously getting that credit. So when when would be a the, your perfect time for a new somebody to come talk to you. Because what we're talking about are, uh-oh, here's a potentially taxable event that I've got to figure out what to do with. I'm guessing that's less of the sort of my hair's on fire, but you guys would be open to having that conversation, but earlier than that? I mean, would you would you want a com- conversation with a company that's, uh, hey, I'm just starting up and I want to do this right from the beginning? Is that kind of the conversation you want to have for wherever they are along their business cycle? And we'll figure out how to best meet their needs along the way. Well, we like to have the discussion when they're just starting out, like you say, but we also really have, um, we've got, we have a lot of clients that come in when they're already at that crisis point and we can help them fix that. And then we can help them move forward in a good position. So quite frankly, it's sort of that uh, instance where we're going to meet you where you are if we can save you some pain by getting you in there sooner, do it. The one thing I know is that people don't like going to the dentist, but they also don't love going to their accountant. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's not going to be a pleasant experience. Well, you know, so Eric isn't as funny in the office when you're sitting across the desk <laughs> from him. But 
but we still like to make sure that people are comfortable and they know that we care. And I think that that's a huge piece of it, that we're not just going to look at them and say, you did what? How stupid? No, never. You will not hear those words. So uh, we know people are people and we're going to meet you where you're at and be happy that we could help. Susie and I have those conversations privately after they leave, so no. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. It never happened. <laughs> uh, along those lines, is there like specific industries or business types that you guys work with or is it all over the board? It's pretty all over the board. Um, it, it tends to kind of for all of us in the industry, like once you, if you get into a, like a niche kind of thing, it sort of just builds on itself. We, I mean, I can pretty much do any kind of company, so not really. I mean, accounting is pretty stringent for the most part. It's just, you know, what kind of different thing do you have than this other guy? And, you know, are you a service or a, a product person? And how do you want to, you know, sell that thing? So a few industries out there kind of have some of their own special rules as far as things go. Cannabis is actually one of those that's a little bit crazy until they can uh, decriminalize it. And once that, once decriminalization happens, uh, it'll be a lot better and the accounting will be normal right now. It's not normal. It's like a illegal drug you're selling regardless of, you know, our state is fully legal now, but it's still your federally basically. Yeah. Because of that, you are treated as if you're selling any drug or any illegal thing. It's, which is kind of silly, but you know, is what it is. Most other most other things that people sell or do are, you know, just how are you going to account for it? What's your timing of payments or timing of inventory or how it works? But um, yeah, I've seen pretty much everything, not everything, but a lot of different things. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's kind of fun actually to have a diverse clientele because we get to see what's going on in several industries. And I think that the experience in one industry can sometimes, as crazy as it sounds, help someone in another industry. So we see the manufacturing, we see the restaurant, we see the hair salon, we see the realtor, we see, you know, people in a variety of businesses and uh, they each have their own unique little thing, but a lot of them have common uh, commonality as well. So I think that'll be interesting for some of these emerging markets like yeah. marijuana or whatever it is mm-hmm. that will finally be connected to the rest of the business community that they can take best practices and learn from. And some of this stuff is and vice versa. I mean, it, it, let's uh, anybody who's doing business, if it's legal, let's learn best ways to do business. That's it's going to be mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, exactly. If I if I'm starting a business, um, one of the things that came up for us a lot uh, with companies that we were looking at investing into in these earlier stage companies is uh, I kind of have two questions here. Hey, I started as an LLC. What's the best? Should I keep being an LLC? Do I need to change to a C corp? Should I be an S corp? And then uh, I'm just advice around that. And then my other sort of sub question is um, B corps. And as they're becoming a little bit more prevalent, uh, there still don't seem to be a ton of them, at least in Arizona right now. But as people are weighing that option as well, do you guys have any advice for a company that's looking at all of this and saying, I'm not quite sure what is best for me? Mm-hmm. You want to start that one or you want me to start that one? Go ahead. Okay. So... Um, un- we see a lot of people who misunderstand, first of all, what an LLC is and how they are taxed as an LLC, 
And so that is the first thing that I would say is helping them understand that you're still taxed as a sole proprietor with an LLC and it's called pass-through taxation or flow-through taxation. And so you're still filing just your personal 1040 or your personal return. And uh, then we put it what's called a Schedule C on that return if it's a, a small business. So you do get to uh, have the expenses and the income, but it all flows through to your personal return. And then you have people that are starting to make quite a bit of money with their business. And there's a rule of thumb, although it is only a rule of thumb, it is not an absolute, and that is between seventy-five dollars and $100,000. You want to start looking at perhaps filing your taxes as an S-corporation. Now, an S-corporation is simply a way of telling the IRS how they're going to tax you because you are going to, as the owner of the business, now take a W-2 paycheck, a payroll check, and you are going to um, do that. And it has to be a reasonable amount for industry standard. But what you make above and beyond that is then becomes a dividend. The reason that you do it that way is because you pay payroll taxes on payroll and you do not on dividend. And so if you are But if you're doing it um, without being an S corporation, you're paying the payroll taxes on the full amount. So there gets to be a point when the administrative side of doing all of that, payroll, et cetera, et cetera, actually is less than the the money that you're saving by doing it that way. And that's why you have a rule of thumb that you don't just want to jump into doing it regardless of how much you're making, because it costs you money to administer a payroll. Okay. So that's, that's kind of uh, where I would what I would say with that. People um, don't understand that S corporation is just a, a way that you are taxed. Basically, I mean that's why you become an S corporation. And then um, for C corp, I'll start this one. My comment on that one is if you're going to go public and have stock or you have investors that need you to be a C corp fine, but otherwise you're going to have double taxation. So it waits until you grow a little bit. And and if you're going to, again, um, go public, that would be when you look at a C corporation because we had evaluations that were going on about the time that the corporate tax rate dropped because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And people were going, oh, should I be a C corp because I'd pay less taxes? Yeah, no. What you need to understand is in your double taxation. Then you've got a double taxation going on. You have to have a business tax and a personal tax, whereas the others flow into one. Okay, go ahead. Whatever you'd like to add to that. So I don't know if you said the IRS does not care in the least if you file an LLC. So they're yeah. they're completely separate LLCs you set up with your state that you live in or you can go to whatever other state, but they don't care at all. It's it's the how are you electing to be taxed? So I got an LLC. What do I do with my taxes? Cool. You have legal protection and that's all that that really does. Um, and then you can get into thing, all the things that Susie said. The C Corp other, if if C Corp comes across your mind to want to do, think of it as it is no longer your business. It is its own business. So when you have, if you have assets in there, they are not your assets. They are the company's assets. So say you're like a landscaping company or you, whatever it is, and you have a bunch of big trucks and big things in there. You had them all in the C-Corp and you got all your expenses and your depreciation and yada, yada, yada. Now you want that vehicle back. That's a taxable event. You have transferred a $80,000 truck from C-Corp to shareholders. So 
It's not like a simple moving and transit, you know, it's not this simple. I'm just going to grab a little bit of something and I'm going to take this vehicle and just give it to this guy or sell it. No, you now have whatever value that vehicle is, is now could be a gain to you depending on, uh, you know, the age and whatever the actual details are. So it really kind of does complicate things. Um, I mean, if it is something somebody wants to do, great, but you really need to understand how and just to try to save a little bit of taxes is not a good reason because it's going to cost you more one way or another. Yeah. Can you change your your status like mid-year or can, well, one, can you change it at all? And two, can you change it? Like, does it matter the timing? And like, You're supposed to do these elections. Um, so you elect, you can elect a file and you can change it. Um, you, uh, you're supposed to do it kind of toward the beginning of the year. However, just like for, sim- for, for simple pur- purposes, and most people elect for uh, to go to the S Corp, you can do it like I'll do. I have to I usually ought do some when I go to file the return. Uh, and that's that's OK. You just have to it's a late election and you have to kind of just give a little excuse and a reason. But it's I mean, 99 percent of the time it gets accepted and is fine. Uh, changing back and forth, no, you'll eventually get rejected, but you can do it, you know, if you, if you have a valid reason and a valid event, then you can do it. You know, you just can't go, oh, I want to be S-Corp now. No, I, I want to be a C. Now I want to be a partner. You know, you can't go back and forth multiple times. You kind of have to pick and go with it, but you, it can be done. Yeah. And what... And what about B Corps? Are you, are you seeing any, are you working with any B Corps? I have not really. I kind of, I, I know a little bit about them. Um, not a whole lot. I don't really remember any major benefits to it is kind of why I was like, well, I mean, when, if I need to really kind of dig into these things, I will, but yeah, I haven't seen, I haven't really seen any or, and haven't really there hasn't been much of a discussion point anywhere that I've kind of been around looking. So interesting. Not so much. Yeah. And I do want to add one thing real quickly though, S corps and partnerships. um, Remember you have a March 15th deadline for getting your returns done. And that allows the K one then to go to the individual for their April 15th deadline. So we constantly have people that miss that March 15th deadline because we all have April 15 in our brain. Right. Mm-hmm. And extensions are available uh, in the in the normal course of the world, so you can extend March fifteenth to uh, September fifteenth if you know you want to go that route, or if yeah. you need more time. Basically, those are good reminders. So when you were talking, Eric, you reminded me or prompted a question: If someone, I don't know how it works exactly, but if you get a notice that you're going to be audited. Like, dun, dun, what is no. the first step <laughs> that you should do if that happens? So the most common kind of audit that the vast majority of people will see are really just uh, electronic audits is what I'll call them. And all that's doing for the most part is taking... Uh, so like when, when somebody, when you get a 1099 or a W-2 or any of these tax forms, they get filed with the IRS. So when you go to, we'll just say personal returns because it's easiest... So when you go to file your personal return, you know, you have your W-2 and all your 1099s and all these things, and you have your social security number. So you e-file that thing and all it's doing is matches up to, okay, here's all the forms filed on the person and here's what was in their tax return. Are, are all of these things inclusive here? 
And if not, it'll spit out a letter. And then you'll get that letter and say, hey, we noticed that you were missing, you know, ten or $5,000 of 1099 income or, or whatever it is. And it happens a lot. And here's the letter will say, you you know, here's here's our result based on, you know, adding this 5,000 of income. Do you agree with it and want to pay or do you or, or then it kind of gives you an option to like, I don't agree. And here's why. And then, you know, you'd either file an amendment or, you know, argue it, whatever the case is. So that's the most common ones. And those are, you know, it's form based. So it's not a huge argument. Um, if something is wrong with the form that was filed, you'd really have to go to who sent it. So if, you know, if it's like a, some kind of brokerage or, or some, if somebody sent you a 1099, but you didn't really work for them or you disagree with it, you got to go get them to change it. Cause I can, I mean, I I can, this is, I mean, no matter what on any tax return, if you have a form to you and your name and your social security number, I can't do anything else, but what's on that form. If I do, you will get one of these letters eventually. So you got to go to the person who gave you this form and are and have them change it. Otherwise, it is documented at the IRS and you're fighting for no reason, basically, because they, hey, this guy's saying this and you're saying this. You guys got to work it out and then come and pay the taxes that you actually owe. Yeah. Uh, major audits, there's I mean, there's usually uh, some reason um, it's, you it, most most of the ones that I've seen are. Either you're associated with somebody that is getting audited or something seems really wrong here kind of thing. Like your numbers don't add up to what your life is or what your situation is. So, hey, we're going to need a little bit more documentation. The little more documentation kind of goes, it will build on itself. So if they request like, oh, we need to see your expenses for, you know, for all of these things and or the receipts or whatever they're saying, you just have to be a little careful to give them the right information and not too much information because it'll just gain, it'll build, it'll build, it'll open a can of worms. And then, you know, before you know it, they're looking at every single little thing. So that's kind of how audits work. And yeah, I mean, for the most part, if you're doing the right thing, you're okay. And, you know, if you're one of the 0.002 or whatever percent that just randomly get audited, you're fine. As long as you, if you can stand up for your numbers, then then you're good. You know, if there so happens to be, well, I can't find a $200 receipt out of my $10,000 of whatever expenses, well, okay, they'll take it off and you might be on a list for a little while. So then you really can't mess around, but... It's not so bad for the for the most part. It's, you know, reality based. <laughs> I had uh, visions of like agents with guns and boxes coming <laughs> and taking everything and computers and <laughs> so they're no, they're they the thing about them right now is it's they're still backed up from last March. I mean, the last numbers I saw, they were still, I don't know, 2 million pieces of mail behind. Wow. I was actually reading um, from some of what colleagues that, God, it was like two or three different other accountants got, their clients got letters saying that they the IRS has not received their 2019 return, even though they were e-filed. So they're just like, they're they're really screwed up right now. 
the collections were on pause all pretty much all summer, we'll say, or, you know, it's kind of when through, I think it was like October or something. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to open it up. Well, <laughs> by them opening up the collections, they sort of forgot to move the needle of time on those. So uh-huh. I've seen a lot of people that we're this is an intent to lean letter and you know i see it and ask them like what's what is this for even it doesn't it says you owe five thousand some odd change dollars i don't know what it's for do you no did you get any other letters no i I, well i don't see what they can lean because we can't even address this so it's been a big headache and they're still you know they're just behind their yeah i mean it's it's the irs and they uh, yeah i mean hopefully there's uh, something out, some effort or something to really kind of get them better funded to really just be able to do the the job right. That's that's the problem. They, you know, they took a month off because of COVID at the beginning, and we're just never able to get out of that hole. And you know, they didn't decide to blanket forgive some late fees, and they, you know, like I said, they failed to move the needle on the on the collection stuff. So everybody's getting letters, and it's. 90% of them are are something that's not right or like this is your first letter for $30 and no they're not going to lean your account let them if they want I mean come on this is silly <laughs> so that's kind of the state of it right now unfortunately <laughs> yikes well next time I see you guys in person I'm going to bring you a big bottle of Tylenol or Advil because you guys have a lot of headaches you're working through oh, yeah. or wine yeah. or yes. vodka Please, you know yeah. we could we little yeah. vodka lemon yeah, yeah. And you whatever you prefer <laughs> so we always like to end the show because we're almost running out of time um time flies when you're having fun um with the same questions and so Kyle I'll let you start with your question yeah, and these don't have anything to do with anything we've been talking about. They're uh, we're collecting answers from uh, people in the in the community because we're interested, and in, and I think it'll be a pretty cool list at some point. So, for each of you, what is your favorite book of all time? Mm. I have two. My tax and accounting book. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. There you go. Nah, educated is a, an absolutely fantastic book. And then the other book I love is Of Mice and Men. So there's a classic for you and a more modern. Nice. The first one you said was Educated? Mm-hmm. Okay. Books I've read. Hmm. What about movies? Or <laughs> <laughs> Sure, you can switch it up. That's, that's fine. I, I, I don't know like an actual book I've read other than like the stuff I need to learn or know. <laughs> God, what is the last book I read? Nope. Yeah, yeah. It's on my bookshelf in my office, and I don't remember. It's something about a zero or something? Yeah, something about a zero. It's a very good book. Favorite <laughs> author. <laughs> All right, well, you have to tell us what your favorite movie is now. Yeah. Oh, well, Terminator 2, obviously. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good choice. <laughs> the governor, he's, he's been in the news recently. He got, he's got his vaccine and, you know, come with me if you want to live. I'm like, yes. <laughs> All right. And then I had to go watch it again, obviously. You know, like, it just had to. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, so my question is, what is one lesson that you've learned through the pandemic, either personal or professional, that you plan to keep with you moving forward? Oh my goodness. Ah, <laughs> uh, one lesson, huh? Well, I guess that lesson is really, I don't know that one would call it a lesson because all of the 
technology I had to learn or at least attempt to learn to catch up. That's part of it. But I think the biggest thing I've learned is how much I really miss uh, or count on people, on live bodies and on Mm -hmm. face-to-face meetings and the energy in the room and all of that. I, uh, I really treasure those more now than I did ever before. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And then uh, I, I, I learned and I very much enjoy and I'm totally okay with being six feet behind the person in front of me in line in Walmart. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> I am okay with that. <laughs> no, it is kind of nice. Yeah. It's nice to have a little extra space, but I'm, I'm with you too, Susie. It is sad not to be in the same room, especially when you're, when you're talking or having a conversation or presenting or educating, like not being able to read people or understand where they're at or how they're feeling. is it's hard. It's a tough one. And not being able to get my hug every day. I don't like that at all. (laughs) I couldn't imagine the life of comedians that feed off of, of people's like reaction that are, I mean, just imagine a silent room and you're like, (laughs) I guess that's funny to me. It's hopefully it's funny to the audience out there. <laughs> Don't know. I know. So Susie, not to put you on the spot, but you and maybe, I don't know, you don't have to have an answer to this, but I love, <laughs> no pressure. I love all of the quotes that you always share. Like they're so inspirational and I love when you share them. So I don't know if you have a, a favorite quote that you can just have in your head that you memorize. But do you? Okay, so I have a book of, uh, a notebook I've collected quotes over the years. I have several that I love, and that's what Jen is referring to. But my son and I had a very interesting conversation. My son is grown. He's in the Navy, and he and I don't get to spend as much time together. But Sunday morning, we were together in the room at my daughter's house, uh, in her dining room. And he made a comment to me that really grabbed me. And it was that the th- one of the things that always steered him in his life was a quote that I had always told him. And, one, and it's from Robert Frost. And it's two roads diverged in a wooden eye. I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. And uh, so for today, that's my favorite. I like it. Thank you for sharing. I I think of you often and I think of your quotes and just the impact that they've left on me. Um, it's one of my many favorite things about you. So thank you oh, thank for sharing. You. I always, yeah, I always wonder, like, there's some profound quotes out there. Did they know when they were speaking for the first time that those words that that was going to be as profound is probably not they just they just were speaking their mind and and it just it got immortalized over time that's fascinating so before we uh uh, totally close out here i just want to ask you guys uh how can people find you online arizona tax advisors that's our website and facebook page it's all under arizona tax advisors and i think our twitter is az tax advisors Mm -hmm. you can just google us you can just find us easily um and we are here in tempe great okay well thank you to eric scaff and Susie greenwood for being on the show today we are off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive Thank you for listening to the Future of Work Water Cooler Conversations with your hosts, Jen Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. Each episode shines the spotlight on business leaders who are defining what a healthy and productive workplace looks like in Arizona and beyond. To be part of the conversation, schedule a visit of the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, and connect with us at max6.com. 
Remember to like and subscribe to the Future of Work Water Cooler Conversations on Apple Podcasts.